So the Bible reading today, we've got two different passages that we're looking at. The first is in Hebrews uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact, exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And we'll also just turn to John chapter 14, verses 6 through 11. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Thank you. Sorry, I just got to sit up here. I'm not used to these things. <laughs> oh. Apologies about the Bible verses that just went through at 100 miles per hour. I have a clicker and um, I was getting stuff ready and I lent on my clicker. <laughs> so, <laughs> I thought I'd give you a reading class and speed reading. No. Um, I just want to say thank you very much for your welcome and um, and your gift. And I also want to start off by saying that it's it's finally great to actually be standing here and being with you. It, for us, it seems like um, quite a long process. This process started for Michelle and I way back um, in in January. And so yeah, so we had our first interview um, in January. And we nearly didn't have our second interview because um, our family got COVID when we visited Adelaide. And so we had the second interview outside. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a long process, but it's great. And I'm really looking forward to starting and sharing a new ministry with you all. So as I said, today is my first Sunday preaching. What if I was to start off by asking you, what are your thoughts right now? What thoughts and feelings go through you as I stand up to preach? Or for that matter, as anyone ever stands up to preach? Are you excited? Are you tired? Are you ready? Are you thinking, I can't wait till he finishes? <laughs> Are you thinking, great, now we'll really be able to see what his theology is like and have we done the right thing in getting this guy over from Victoria? Now, I know these sound like silly questions, so why am I asking you this? Well, I'm not sure how many of you get the weekly communication email that Matthew sends out, but if you do, you would have noticed that my sermon title today is 
Why preach? I love the comment that Matthew made straight after that. His comment was, wow, self-imposed pressure. <laughs> you know, in a way he's right. For those who have ever preached, you would know there is a pressure when you get up to preach. So much so that this was nearly going to be the sermon title that I wanted. That funny thing we call preaching. I don't know if you ever stop to think about preaching, but I want to say it's quite a funny thing to do in a church service. Why would I say that? Why would I say preaching is a funny thing? Well, let me give you some examples of why I think preaching is a funny thing. Firstly, right off the bat, I remember when we did our preaching subject platform ministry in college, our main textbook was a book called A Pride for Preachers by Ian Watson. His opening chapter stated, congratulations on becoming a preacher. Now you face one big problem. The big problem today is that people don't like to be preached at. So if you're going to be a preacher, you're actually going to be doing something that people don't like. He said, most people in our churches are happy just to go along with the ride, but don't tell us what to do. Don't preach at me. Another funny thing about preaching is sometimes people see it more from a public speaking performance, and so they rate the speaker rather than the content. I mean, throughout my ministry, I've received comments like, Garth, your sermons are too short, too long, too deep, not deep enough. They don't make sense. And then you get the ones, yeah, he's not as good as so-and-so, and then they mention some big name from TV. <laughs> Another funny thing about preaching is why spend time preparing sermons when most people sitting in our crews have been Christians for years? Why preach to them? How impractical is what I'm doing today? Isn't there a sense in where preaching to the converted would be like this? Let's say you want to pick me up and we go out for a coffee and I get in your car and I say, okay, hang on, what I want you to do now, put the key in the ignition, that's right. Now, slowly turn it, right. Now, you're going to hear the motor start. Now, once you hear the motor start, let go of your key. Okay, now see this thing here, this is called a gear stick. What I want you to do is put your foot on the brake, okay, and then go into this deep. Imagine if I did that every time I got into a car with you. It would drive you nuts. It wouldn't be funny, it would be annoying. But isn't, how is that any different than preaching to Christians? For those that you have been driving for years, you know how to drive. You don't need someone to go back to when you're on your L's and telling you everything. We say Christianity is a relationship, a relationship between us and God the Father. Well, I'm quite sure many of you in this room have been living out that relationship for quite a number of years. You know how it works. You're experts in you know how the Christian life and your relationship with God works. Do you really need someone to stand up each week and add tips or strategies to help you live that life that some of you have been living for longer than I've been born? I'm sure for those who are married, do you go and watch a 30-minute marriage tip every week? Do you go and watch someone tell you how to live out your relationship as husband and wife every week for 30 minutes? Of course you don't. You just simply live out your love for your husband and your wife and your spouse. You just do it. I'll tell you where most of my thinking comes from. I remember in Queensland we had a pastor's gathering and we looked at this topic of preaching. And more importantly, 
the guy leading it, the CEO, asked us this question. As pastors of churches, why do you preach? When I think back at the pastor's gathering, many different answers and topics were shared that day. But sadly, most of them were negative. Some pastors made the comment, most people in my church don't view preaching as important anymore. Some spoke on how they see walls go up as people begin to preach. They come alive with singing, but when the pastor comes up to preach, something else seems to change, probably because of some of those reasons I just mentioned. People think it's not needed. We've walked this walk. Others also shared how people would say, preaching is very important. And the leader said, why? Or when someone preaches, it's not the preacher speaking to them, it's God speaking to them. Well, let me tell you something I've experienced with this. Do you know, I've done many sermons on things like grace, encouragement, and God's love. And people will come up to me and say, oh, thank you, God. God really spoke to me today. But I've also preached on lust. I've also preached on greed, pride, possessions, money, forgiving those that hurt you. And I get people come up to me and say, Garth, you can't say that. Funny, isn't it? It seems when a sermon is nice and encouraging, then God is speaking. But when it's challenging or confronting, then it's Garth that's speaking. Perhaps Ian was right. People don't like to be preached at. So I guess with all this going through my head, I've been thinking a lot about preaching lately, especially starting at a new church. Things like, if there is so much, all this confusion with preaching, is it really hitting the mark? Does preaching really hit the mark? And if not, why make sermons part of almost every church service? I guess that's the question that Queensland Baptists really wanted to challenge us on. You know, I was quite surprised to find out since that day, since that gathering, some believed that sermons weren't having an impact in their congregations anymore, so they stopped them in their services. Some had taken preaching out of their services and placed them with different things like care groups, where they would break up into groups and they would answer questions about how are you going, how are you living out this life, what is things happening Others, this is great, they said, why be here? They said, right, we'll come, we'll worship together, we'll pray, and then we're going to go out and door knock in our community. And that was Bridge and Downs Baptist, which is one of the biggest Baptist churches in Brisbane. Others had more communion. As you hear that, where do you sit? Do you ever ask yourself this question regarding why do we have sermons? Is it something we tap on the last 30 minutes of a church service because our voices can't cope with any more singing? <laughs> or is it something more? What if me, Colin and Jared had our elders meeting next week and we decide, look, the sermon part of the sermon, this service, isn't hitting the mark. During the sermon, people often go to the toilet, you know, they get distracted, they talk, fall asleep, although I've seen all of those. <laughs> And so, as an eldership, with all this happening, we decide that we're not going to have sermons anymore. How would you feel? And if you would be irate, I think you ask yourself, why? Why preach? So, of all that happening and all those funny things I mentioned before, have those pastors that stopped it got it right? Is it better to do something else? Is it better to do something more beneficial 
more relational or more evangelical? Well, that's why today I'm looking at this topic of why preach. Why do we have sermons? Today is a topical sermon, and so today hopefully you will understand a bit about where I come from and also why I do this. And the first point is this. Why preach? Because we preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. That is the reason to preach. In fact, for me, Jesus Jesus Christ is the only reason to preach a sermon. He is the only reason any preacher should get up and preach a sermon. Now, I know I've only been here in Aldinga a few times, and understandably, most don't know much about me at all. But I'm sure even though I've only been here a few times, maybe there's something that you've picked up. I have a passion. There's something I'm passionate about, and it did get brought up last time. I have a passion for AFL football. <laughs> and I know for 15 years the people in Queensland definitely knew this passion in me because whenever I, whenever I talked about AFL football in that town, back there, I'd call it real football because obviously coming from Queensland, they were just NRL mad. I was encouraged in my time in Queensland because of my passion, some did see the lights <laughs> and decided to follow real football. Some grasped it, some saw it. When this happened, they would ask me, okay, Guff, I get it. What team should I follow? I would always tell them the team to follow is the Crows. <laughs> right? That's the team to follow. Why would I tell them that? You guys know more about this than anyone, but because in all honesty, they are not the best team by a long way. Especially, think of it, this was three or four years ago. I remember I worked at a high school um, and I had teachers get converted and to AFL and I'd say to them, Barrett for the Crows, and they would watch and they'd say, Garth, what are you doing? They said, they're terrible. Like, they said, I don't know much about AFL, but they don't win much. <laughs> I remember my boss um, my, uh, was the principal at the school. He was um, a good friend of mine. We used to bike ride together. And his two kids got into AFL big time and... Um, He's since now his daughter's representing the state. But um, the, the kids came and saw me and said, oh, Garth, who do I vote for? I said, oh, go for the Crows. They said, why not Brisbane? I said, no, you don't go for Brisbane. <laughs> and, um, and they said, all right, we'll watch every game for three weeks and we'll work out who to vote for. Guess who won? Brisbane. <laughs> I failed. I would tell you, follow them because that's the team I'm passionate about. That's why I tell anyone to follow the Crows. I know more about the Adelaide Crows than what I do about other teams. So for me, following the Crows, it really is more important than following the AFL. When I was in Sherbrooke, they used to call me Pastor Crow. Aboriginal <laughs> people don't call you by name, so they always called me Pastor, and then someone said, oh, Pastor Crow. I remember, no, I won't go into stories. <laughs> I'm sure any one of you that follow a sport do so for one reason. You have a team or an individual that you like. If that team or individual stopped playing that sport, chances are so would you. Do you know tennis has dropped since Roger Federer retired? People that watch tennis has actually dropped since Roger Federer retired. 
because he was the reason they watched tennis. Well, Jesus should hold that same meaning and passion for us as Christians. We have that saying at Christmas time, Jesus is the reason for the season. Well, let me tell you, Jesus isn't just the reason for the season. Jesus is the reason for everything. He is the reason for everything. As you read through the Old Testament, so much of its message is pointing to Jesus. There are over 400 prophetic words in the Old Testament that tell about the life of this promised Messiah that's going to come. Words written 100 years before his birth. In fact, I remember when I was doing my Master's in May or the Bible College lecturer used to say to us, Jim Gibson, he used to say, as you read the Bible, look for Jesus on every page you read. Every page. Why? Well, I think we've got a grasp of what why he said that with those readings that were read out before. The first reading from Hebrews, it says, Jesus is the heir of all things. He is the receiver of all things God has. Everything was made through him. Jesus reveals the exact representation of God and his glory. Jesus now speaks to us through God. One of my favourite authors is Warren Worsby. In his book in preaching, he states, if anyone preaches a sermon and doesn't mention Jesus Christ, then they should have just preached their last sermon. <laughs> now, when he makes that comment, and when I say things like I'm saying the only reason to preach is Jesus, we're not trying to be disrespectful. I'm not saying that Jesus is the greatest in the Trinity. I'm not saying that Jesus is more important than God or the Holy Spirit. But I believe Jesus should be the focus of our lives. Full stop. I remember... When I worked at the campsite, um, we used to have railway, and Michelle and I lived and worked there for six years. And one of my jobs was training bunkhouse leaders. What's a bunkhouse leader? We would have school holiday camps, and um, a lot of kids just kept coming. And a bunkhouse leader would be in the room with all these kids, six of them, and they would run bunkhouse discussions every night with these kids. You know, they would be able to, to spend 10 or 15 minutes um, and talk with these kids. I remember when I was training them and I found a problem. Leaders sometimes had, you know, they would come and they would get caught up in talking about issues. They said, oh, I'm going to run a discussion on forgiveness or relationships or Bible stories, those things we learn in Sunday school. Now, I know these topics have a place in a searching world, but I couldn't help but think they are missing the major point. These leaders that were coming into our gate were missing the major point. I said, guys, you have this wonderful opportunity where you've got these kids to share with them. Don't waste those 15 to 20 minutes on silly issues. Tell them about Jesus and the cross. Tell them what Jesus has done for them and how they can know him personally. Tell them it is through knowing Jesus and having a deep, loving relationship with him that they will be able to forgive. They will have good relationships with those around them and with one another. And those Bible stories that you want to talk about, they will come to life for them. Just think about those verses read out before from John 13, 14. They are a great important statement that Jesus made. And they're quoted many times, we all know them. But you notice Jesus didn't say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and only if you get to the Father, except through me. He didn't say that. He said, no one, no one gets to the Father except through me. This is why we preach Jesus and we should always be the main point of any sermon, because he is the truth.
He is the life. And he is what is meant to be more important. And he is the only way to God. Don't let anyone ever tell you there are different ways to God. There's one. Did you hear Jesus' response to Philip when he asked, Oh, great, show us the Father. Show us what God's like. Did you catch the words that Jesus said to Philip? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. As the disciples were seeing what Jesus was doing, guess what? They were seeing what God was doing. As the disciples saw how Jesus treated people, they saw how God treated people. This tells me that as someone preaches and helps others see Jesus, they're really helping him see God the Father. The more a preacher can point to Jesus, the more they're pointing to God the Father. If this is true, why would we waste time on anything else? If our desire as Christians is to help people see God, understand God, have a deep relationship with God, then Jesus is the centre of that. You know, if you're expecting new things from me when it comes to preaching, I'm afraid I may disappoint. Most college lecturers will tell you there's no such thing anymore as an original sermon. Sure, I may have an understanding of some theological issues that you may have never heard before. And you may hear something in a sermon that's new. You'll also hear stories about my life that you've never heard before and sure, they're new. But as far as content for a sermon, I have nothing new to add. I have Jesus. That's what I have. He is the who, the what, the where and the why I will stand up and preach. When Jesus is preached, people get to know him on a much deeper and personal level. And when people get to know Jesus on a deeper and personal level, an amazing thing happens. They get to know God on a deep and personal level. In encouraging others to have this deeper and personal relationship with Jesus is what I believe every preacher hopes to do when they stand up. Well, I know it's true for me. I love sharing the great things Jesus has done in my life. But I do it with the hope of pointing others to Jesus. Then by doing that, I'm pointing them to God. I believe my job as a pastor and a preacher is to point people to God and then get out the way because it's God who does the work. When I preach Jesus as God's sons, my desire always is you will see Jesus and have a desire to worship him and take your relationship with him on a much deeper level. And then in turn, my sermons will help you see God the Father and do the same. My sermons aren't about me. My preaching Jesus the Son is what my sermons are about. I want people to see God the Father in my sermons, just the same way that the disciples saw them. This helps us. When you know how Jesus sees you, guess what? You know how God sees you. When you know how Jesus forgives you, guess what? You know how God forgives you. When you know how Jesus loves you, guess what? You know how God loves you. Why would I want to be preaching on anything else? So my first point is we preach because we preach Jesus. Secondly, we preach the word of God. I've often been up to invited in church and they'll say, now Garth's going to bring us the word. It's a strange thing to say, but anyway, that's because we preach the word. You know, there are two main reasons to preach from the word, and the first one is it's the truth. That's why you use the Bible. It's the truth. 
All men are like grass, all their glory is the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is what was preached to you. It doesn't matter what anyone preaches or does. If it's not from the word of God, it will not last. It will not take root. Why? Because it's not the truth. I know in Bible college, whenever we were to form an argument, a statement of belief, a theory or whatever, we was always taught, make sure, make sure your basis or starting point is scripture. I remember when I did my college um, counselling degree table all those years ago, and it was Dr John Court, he was our senior lecturer, and, um, and he said one big problem Christian counsellors can get into is they look at the Bible through the lenses of counselling. He said, never do that. He's always warned us. He said, always look at counselling through the lens of the Bible. Why? Because it's the truth. This doesn't just apply to Christian counselling. It should apply to the whole Christian life. Anything we do or believe and have a relationship with God must come from Scripture. It must. Why? Because the Word of God is always right. If you are going to stand on that, you are always standing on truth. Sadly, I believe churches have lost some of that standing because they've fallen trapped for believing or accepting things that aren't in the Scripture. And they'll follow them. This something happens because it sounds good. Or they just think the people in church leadership must be right. They're a leader. They're saying this, so it's got to be right. So we put our trust in them. Another reason why we preach the word is because it helps churches stay on track with right theology. Everything we believe, everything we do as a church and in our lives must come from the basis of Scripture. Not on what feels good, not on what society says, only from Scripture. Why? Because we know when we do these things, we are standing on the truth. Secondly, we preach from the Word because it helps us in our lives. I love what Paul says in Romans, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and encouragements of the scripture we may have hope. Man, talk about a great life talk. People spend all kinds of money on self-help books. People spend more kinds of money on going to courses. Yet all they need to do is listen to Paul's words. The word was written to give us teaching endurance, encouragement, and hope. Sorry. Martin Luther said, the devil doesn't mind the written word, but he's put to flight whenever it's preached out aloud. Why? Because it brings encouragement. It brings endurance. It brings all those things, and they're the kind of things that God wants to give us. As God's word is preached to us, Satan is put to flight because of what the word reveals. You know, some may disagree with me, but I don't think the main point of preaching is to reveal the word of God. I don't think the main reason of preaching or telling people about it is to reveal the word of God. I think the main purpose of preaching is to reveal the God of the word. That's why you do it. And you know how he does it? By the more you see Jesus. Finally, we preach for enjoyment. Seriously. See, they walk out. 
Do you find sitting sermons a chore? <laughs> we shouldn't. You shouldn't see sitting through sermons a chore. I know that's easy for me to say because I'm the one going on and on and on. But as I mentioned, ultimately, preaching sorry, is a way of God helping us, of God speaking to us. We should enjoy it. We're in a relationship. He enjoys it when we talk to him, and we should enjoy it when he talks to us. That's just how relationships work. For those that are married and had fights and gone through the silent treatment, it's not nice. God doesn't want that from us, and we don't want that from him. Remember, God's word was given for encouragement and hope. Surely to hear the words of encouragement and hope is enjoying. They should inspire us, especially when they come from the creator of the universe. I hope as you listen to any sermon, mine or anyone else's, whether it's on an iPhone or standing up or watching, the same thing happens to you that happened to those two men on the road to Emmaus when they heard Jesus speak. What comments did they make? Oh, didn't our hearts burn within us as he taught? Now, you could say, well, no wonder. I mean, they were talking to the resurrected Lord, but they didn't know it. Remember, they didn't know it. They were just listening and enjoying what this man walking alongside them did. I can't help but think the reasons their heart burned within them as they listened was to do with their attitude in which they were listening. Their attitude was right. And with that in mind, let me finish today by looking at five points. Amara, they're not wrong. Five points to answer this question. Oh my gosh. Sorry. At our other church, I had a screen up there that I could see. Ways to get the most out of my sermons. Here we go. Okay? Well, any sermons. The first one, you're going to say, oh no. Number one, get a new clicker. <laughs> Can I just say here? There you go. Take notes. Whoa, look out. People are, oh no. Imagine if you were to take your children to a new, like this is a new school, eh? This is a new super, you can Google super school and this comes up. All right? Imagine if you wanted to bring your children here and you had an interview with the principal and he said, oh, you're, you're so lucky in bringing your children here because we have one thing about this school that sets us apart from every other school. And quite excitedly, you think, oh, great, what's that? And they reply, well, in this school, there's no stationery needed. They won't need pens. They're not going to need laptops. They're not going to need iPads. We don't believe in having children take notes or write down things on boards. and We just want them to come and sit and listen. Would you send your kid? Chances are you would not send your kid to that school. Students need to take notes. While it's true we live in a great digital age, you won't find a school, college or uni that doesn't have one thing in common. The students all take notes. All of them. Why? To remember what was said. To help them in exams. To help them in essays. To help them in life. Surely God's message is more important to us than Mass and English. Sorry, teachers. <laughs> if I take you back to our past today, a very comment was made by all those pastors when asked why I preach. Most, they said, most people in our pews wouldn't remember from week to week what was said in the last sermon. If this is the case, how much of God's word is getting through? 
how much of God's word is being remembered. And if they don't remember it, then how seriously are people taking it? I have a life coach in, in, um, in Queensland. His name's Mike Woodrow. And I asked him this question. He's been in church for years and I asked him what, you know, about his sermons and he's never preached. But he said, Garth, you've really challenged me because he said, I can remember two sermons that spoke to him greatly in his life. And he says that um, one was on the importance of reading the Bible every day. And he says the other was the importance of finding what is the will of God. And he said, but Garth, even as I say that to you, he says, I can't tell you what was said. He says, but I just remember they were very impactful. But he said, I can only think of two out of all that. Now, just before you start judging my mentor or my fellow pastors, is there any truth in what they say? I mean, what if I was to put you on the spot and ask, for those of you who were here last week, Matthew preached on Philippians 3. He had three points. Do you remember them? What if I was to ask you, stand up and just give me those three points for those of you who were here? Could you do it? Or what if I was to ask you, did it make a difference? Did it help? You guys had me come and preach before voting. Can you remember my sermon and what I preached on? Did it impact you? Did it encourage your walk with God? Now, don't worry. I'm not paying out Matthew or me, and I'm not deflated, and I'm not judging, because I struggle to remember. You know, I had someone this week ask me a question about Matthew's sermon, and I had to go back and look at my notes. I couldn't remember. How often have you chatted with other Christian friends and asked them, oh, what was preached at your church on Sunday? And they say, oh, it was a good sermon. Oh, that's good. Ask them what was said. Do you take it further? Oh, what points were made? What was the main message? What are you going to do about it? They tend to go quiet. Just stop for a moment and ask yourself the question, how often do you forget? And as I said, I do this. Note-taking really helps. It really helps. Number two, go over it. One great encouragement I had at uh, my last church in Queensland was every Wednesday night they had a Bible study group for one purpose. They went over the sermon. They went through the sermon. They looked at it and they went through and they asked questions and they could talk and bring out topics and discuss it in more detail, asking what God they got out of the sermon and everything like that. There's a church in Tawuma. It's a huge church. It's called Humanity Church of Christ. Um, it's a big church. After the service, they have a 30-minute question and answer time in a separate room over the service. So once they finish, some people go and have tea and coffee, but they say, others, if you want to come and talk about the sermon further, let's go. Going over sermons, I believe, is important and beneficial. There is only one reason to take notes, and I want you to be able to challenge me. Look, as I preach, don't believe a word I say. Seriously. Don't believe me. Don't put anything in me. I want all of us to be like the Berean Jews that you read about in Acts 17 because they went and tested what was said with the Scriptures. How can you do this if you haven't documented what was said? I love live streams as well. Go back and rewatch. Go and do it. Thirdly, pray. Don't pray the preacher would speak to you. Pray God will. Ask him to prepare your heart and your mind willing to listen and to act 
on what he reveals to you. I remember I, I heard a story, it's not, that's not a true story, I don't think, but there's a story that goes around and it's a, a, a pastor talks about this guy in his church and it doesn't matter what he preached on. If he preached on forgiveness, if he preached on anything, he had this one guy in his church that would come up and, great message, pastor. I just hope John over there heard that today. <laughs> anyway, he then preached on something else and he'd come up, oh, great sermon. I just hope Mary... You know, I just hope she heard that today. And then there come a day where this guy was the only one in church. <laughs> and the pastor got up and he preached on judging others and the speck in your own eye and the plank in yours. And the guy come up to him and said, oh, great sermon, pastor. Isn't it a pity that Robbie's here that he didn't hear that? <laughs> we can get like that. I remember I used to run down one of my pastors. I'll say it openly. We, we went to Billy Heights and Graham Jones was a pastor. And, um, and I used to think that he can't preach and what he said wasn't relevant to me and, and everything like that. And during one of mine and Michelle's moves, I found one of her old sermon books. She's great at taking notes. And I read his sermons. This is years later. This is 10, 15 years later. And I thought, wow, it was good. So I rang him. I was in Queen. I rang him. I rang Graham Jones and said, Graham, I need to owe you an apology. I said, I said, believe this and, and you're a servant of God and, and I apologised. I mentioned before that my desire in preaching is you'll see Jesus and have a much deeper relationship with you. And that's the prayer. Pray that as you listen and take notes in a sermon that you'll see Jesus and have a much deeper relationship. Two more. Don't worry, I don't want me to preach this long. I said that last time. <laughs> if this is the way God wants to speak to you, then it's so important you are here. Seriously. It is so important you are here. I believe it is so important that we come together here. Why? So we can be learning and hearing God's word together. So often pastors will do a sermon series. And, you know, I've had people from other churches and they tell me their pastor's doing a sermon series. And I think, oh, that's great. I said, what's it like? And they said, oh, I've only heard two of the first six because that's how much I've been in church. You know, the best way to get most out of a series, be here so you can hear it. Seriously, be here for the entire generation. The Bible is clear that God puts his workers in his vineyard. If this is your vineyard, then God has put you here for a reason. He wants you here. You have something to offer, something only you can bring. If you believe God has called you to come to Aldinga Bay Baptist Church, then he has a job for you. I need you just as much as you need me. And that's my final point, how to get the most out of sermons. Build relationships. Do you know, Aboriginals, Michelle and I lived in Aboriginal communities, worked with Aboriginals, and you say, oh, there's this conference coming and you want to go, and they'll say, oh, who are you going to come from? That means who's going to be there? Because they said who we learn with is more important, really, than what we learn. And they said who we learn with, together as community, challenges us. At my last church, there was a guy named Gary. But be careful, you're going to watch this on live stream. And Gary was involved in a church with Leon Morris. I don't know if any of you are New Testament scholar fans, but Leon Morris 
he was our textbook and great theologian. And Gary said to me, he said, oh, Garth, he said, I've sat under Leon Morris and he'd hear him preached. And he said, but you would be in the top 2% of preachers I've ever heard, and that beats Leon Morris. And I said, Gary, not a chance. I said, I'm nowhere near a Leon Morris. And I said, Gary, the reason you like my sermons is because you were so inspirational or instrumental in calling me to Pakenham. You were part of my journey to come to Pakenham, and you've met with me weekly and we have discussed things, and we've got this great relationship, Gary. I said, that's why you like my sermons. It is because of the connection we have. If I never, ever get to know you, if I never, ever get to come and visit you in your homes, if I'm just standing up here every week and preaching to you, I will have no impact at all because I don't have a relationship. Relationships are so important. As you get to know me and I get to know you on a more personal level, and Matthew, Mark, and Frank, you will get more out of the sermons, a lot more. How do I do it? Well, I have an iPad. You're going to see me do things, and that's this. Sorry, can you hit the button again? <laughs> there you go. Oops. I take photos of him. I'm hopeless with names. Terrible. I love name tags. And so I have this family's permission to... Um, I took photos of every family in Pakenham and then I write their names above their head. And so that way I, I get to know people and I remember people. So if I come up to you and say, look, can I take your photo as a family? That's what I do. It doesn't go anywhere except Facebook and the internet. But other than that, it just it stays between me. No. And, um, and I found it's a great way to, to learn people and, um, and to take notes. And so that's the way I, I want to get to know you to put faces to names, and unless I write them down, I'm, I'm not going to remember you. You know, if, if you introduce yourself to me once, twice, three times, and I still don't remember your name, please don't be offended. That's normal. But I will get there. And so you will find if you have a relationship with someone, you'll get once more over So yes, preaching can be a funny thing, and yes, preaching will be a funny thing that happens here every week. But let's not lose heart. Let's listen for Jesus, his word, and enjoy his company. And let's do our part so we can get the most out of what he wants to say to us. So when we walk out of church, we do so with endurance, encouragement, and hope.